Section 18 of A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Safahan ma'ani lafz jahan ast Jahan lafz ast ma'ani isfahan ast Isfahan is the idea connoted by the word world World is the word and isfahan is the meaning Jahani ra agar isfahani nabud جهان آفرین را جهانی نبود If the world had no Asfahan, the world creator would have no world من طلب شیعن وجدده وجدا Whosoever seeketh a thing and is strenuous in search findeth it Julfa is, as I have said, situated at some distance from Esfahan, and to walk from the mission house to the bazaars requires the best part of an hour. Hence it happened that, although I remained a fortnight in this place, I did not visit the city more than five or six times, and then chiefly for business in the bazaars or caravansaries. Four or five days after my arrival, however, I accompanied Mr. Aghanur, the British agent, into the town, and he kindly devoted several hours to showing me some of its more interesting features. Some of these I have already noticed, and it only remains to say a few words about the rest. The first public building which we visited was the madrasa, or college, built by Sultan Hussein, in whose unfortunate reign, 1694 until 1722 A.D., the glory of the Safavi dynasty, and with it the glory of Esfahan, was brought to a disastrous end by the Afghan invasion. The madrasa is built in the form of a hollow square, and contains about 120 rooms for students and teachers, but of these, two-thirds are untenanted. In the center of the spacious courtyard is a large tank of water, pleasantly overshadowed by plane trees. The entrance to the college is through a corridor, now used as a small bazaar, furnished on the side towards the road with massive gates overlaid with exquisite brasswork 
and adorned with arabic inscriptions in the centre and persian on the margin the walls of the corridor are also ornamented with tiles bearing inscriptions leaving this we proceeded to the chehel sutun forty columns so called because of a double row of plane trees standing by the side of a stream which traverses the garden the trees in question are only twenty in number their reflections in the limpid water beneath constituting the other twenty columns at the farther end of this garden is the beautiful little palace called hasht behisht eight paradises this had belonged to the zelda sultan's minister whose life had recently been brought to an abrupt close by an obscure and rapidly fatal disease which defied the skill of the physicians such was the official report received from the capital where his decease had occurred popular rumor however ascribed his death to a cup of kajar coffee which had disagreed with the unfortunate nobleman the walls of this palace are beautifully decorated and adorned with six fine paintings representing scenes of a battle or revelry concerning the latter an old seyyid who was present remarked with indignation that they were productions of a later age since such scenes of dissipation never disgraced the court of the pious safavis of the three battle scenes one represented the route of the uzbeks by the persian army another an engagement between the persians and the osman turks under salim the first and the third one of the wars of nader shah with the indians besides these and the two banquet scenes which had roused the indignation of the seyyid there was a picture representing shah tahmasp the first receiving the fugitive emperor of hindustan humayun signs of the prevailing vandalism were apparent alike in the palace and the garden in the former the beautiful mural decorations except the pictures were being covered with hideous brick red paint in the latter the plane trees were falling beneath the axis of a party of woodcutters a remonstrance addressed to the latter merely elicited the thoroughly persian reply digar hukmast well it is ordered they seemed sorry to be engaged in destroying the relics of the glorious past but digar what else could they do 
they could no more refuse to carry out the prince's wishes than they could venture to criticize his decision in another room in a building at the other end of the garden were two portraits of a former governor of Isfahan, Manucher Khan, the Georgian eunuch, who died in 1847 A.D. He is described by Gobineau as a man redoute et retoutable par ses talents et un peu aussi par ce croate and was so powerful that it is related that on one occasion the late king Muhammad Shah summoned him to Tehran and said to him, I've heard that you're like a king at Asfahan, to which the wily old minister promptly replied, Yes, your majesty, that is true, and you must have such kings as your governors in order that you may enjoy the title of Shahanshah, King of Kings. We passed through a portion of the palace and paid a visit to the Roknol Molk, who was acting as deputy governor during the absence of the Zillo Sultan. He was a fine-looking Shirazi and received us with great urbanity, bidding us be seated and ordering tea and galleons to be brought to us. At his side sat the Munajembashi or chief astrologer. We presently asked if there was any news from the capital, whereupon he informed us without any outward sign of the emotion which so startling an event must have produced in him that a telegram had just arrived announcing that the prince governor de zello sultan had resigned all his extensive governments in southern persia retaining nothing but the city of isfahan from what i have already said in a previous chapter it will be sufficiently evident that the term resignation was a euphemism I took several walks round the environs of Jolfa, and one of the first places which I visited was the Armenian cemetery. Here, after some search, I found the grave of the Swiss watchmaker was put to death by the Mohammedan clergy two centuries ago for having in self-defense killed a Muslim. He was a great favorite with the king who exerted himself to save his life, but the only condition on which this was possible was that he should consent to embrace Islam, which he refused to do. The heavy oblong stone which marks the spot where his body rests bears the simple inscription Rudolphe. Round about this are the graves of a number of European merchants, for the most part Dutch or Swiss, who had been attracted to the then famous capital of the Safavis during the latter part of the 17th and earlier part of the 18th centuries.
of the few English tombstones which I discovered, one bore the following curious inscription. Memento Mori Hic jacet insignis doctor re Eduardus Paget Anglicus Sancti Trinitatis Collegi apud Cantabrigium Socius Theologus et Mathematicus Lustrabat orbem ter ut divina cognoscerit et mundana sed mundum vere reputans ut punctum extendebat lineas ultra tempus ut pulcrum ex eternitate circulum formaret tandem quinquegenarius ultimo puncto vitam clausit in patriam per terram redeuntem sistebat mors obiit enim spahani die viginti uno januarii anno mille septingenti duo secundum stilum veterem abi viator et ab insigni doctore disce in tempore eternitatem i also ascended two of the mountains which lie beyond the cemetery to the south of Jolfa. One of these, situated just to the west of the Shiraz road, is called Kuhe Sufi. On the northern face of this is a ruined building whence I obtained a fine view of Esfahan, the size of which now became apparent, though the miles of ruins which surround it show how much larger it was in former days the whole of that portion of the plain in which the city lies was spread like a map at my feet to the east was the ill-famed hezar darre the fabled abode of ghouls and efreets a waste of conical hillocks and near that side of it which bordered on the shiraz road could be seen the single tree which marks the site of the farewell fountain the spot to which the traveller journeying towards the south is usually accompanied by his friends right across the plain from west to east meandered the zayande route spanned by its three bridges and girt with gardens on the farther side of this rose the domes and minarets of Esfahan. opposite the city and on the south side of the river lay the great musalman cemetery called takhtefulad while on the same side of the river but farther to the west stretched the christian suburb of Jolfa the other mountain which i ascended is called the takhde rostam and forms the extreme western limit of the range which terminates to the east in the kuhe sufi above described this mountain is crowned by a great crest of overhanging rocks along the base of which i had to creep before i could ascend to the summit where stands a small building of brick in a very dilapidated condition from this point i could see far away to the west in the direction of charmahal and the bakhtiari country and a wild forbidding landscape it was 
hemmed in by black lowering mountains straight below me on the farther side of the road leading to charmahal was a remarkable mass of rock which seen from certain points of view looks like a gigantic lion it is often called the sphinx by europeans beyond this were gardens and walled villages on either side of the river and beyond these a background of mountains in the bosom of which lies the village of najafabad one of the babi strongholds the exquisite clearness and purity of the atmosphere in persia enabling one as it does to see for an almost unlimited distance lends an indescribable charm to views such as the one which now lay before me and i long gazed with admiration on the panorama to the westward but when i glanced down into the dark valley to the south of the ridge on which i now stood towards which the mountain fell away so rapidly that it seemed as if one might cast a stone into it without effort a feeling akin to terror at its savage loneliness and utter isolation overcame me and i was glad to commence the descent with all speed lest some uncontrollable impulse should prompt me to cast myself down into this gloomy ravine another day i paid a visit to the celebrated but somewhat disappointing shaking minarets Minarjumban, situated to the west of Jolfa, which were duly rocked to and fro for my entertainment. Beyond these is a curiously shaped hill called the Atashgah, on which, as its name implies, there is said to exist a ruined fire temple. To this, however, I had not time to extend my excursion. Thus passed the time I spent at the ancient capital, partly in walks and sightseeing, partly in the genial society of Dr. Horul and the other European residents. In the late afternoon we often played tennis there being two very fairly good grounds in jolfa of persian society i saw but little and indeed for the first week i hardly had occasion to talk persian at all except to the mirza employed by the mission a man of considerable erudition not devoid of a certain degree of scepticism in religious matters I several times questioned him about the Babis, and begged him to put me in communication with them, or at least to obtain for me some of their books. Whether he could or would have done so I know not, for an occurrence which took place about a week after my arrival rendered me independent of such help, 
brought me into immediate contact with the proscribed sect which had hitherto eluded all my search and gave an entirely new turn to the remainder of my sojourn in persia the event which thus unexpectedly enables me to gratify to the full a curiosity which difficulties and disappointments had but served to increase was as follows one afternoon rather more than a week after my arrival and the day after the ascent of the takht rostam above described i was sitting lazily in the sitting-room which overlooked the courtyard wondering when i should again start on my travels and turning over in my mind the respective advantages of shiraz and yazd when two dalals brokers or vendors of curiosities armed with the usual collection of carpets brasswork trinkets and old coins made their appearance rather from lack of anything else to do than because i had any wish to invest in curiosities which were as certain to be dear as they were likely to be spurious i stepped out into the porch to inspect the strange medley of objects which they proceeded to extract from their capacious bags and to display before me none of them however particularly took my fancy and i accordingly refused to treat the prices which they named as serious statements and offered only such sums as appeared to me obviously below the real value hoping thereby to cause the dalals of whose company i was now tired to withdraw in disgust the dalals did not fail to discern my object and the other one an old man with henodied beard ventured a remonstrance sahib he said we have come a long way to show you our goods and you have taken up a great deal of our time you'll not be dealing fairly with us if you send us away without buying anything i was about to remind him that i had not asked him to come and had only consented to examine his wares at his own request and on the distinct understanding that by so doing i was not in any way binding myself to become a purchaser when the younger dalal stepped up onto the platform where i was standing put his mouth close to my ear and whispered you're afraid we shall cheat you i'm not a musalman that i should desire to cheat you i am a babi to this day i am at a loss to account for the motives which prompted this extraordinary frankness perhaps some rumor had reached the man for rumors in persia get about in the most unaccountable manner that i was anxious to make acquaintance with the sect to which he belonged perhaps he imagined that all christians were better disposed towards the babis than towards the mohammedans perhaps the admission was merely a random shot 
prompted by the consideration that at least it was unlikely to expose him to any risk. Be this as it may, the effect produced on me by those words was magical. Here at last was a long-desired opportunity for which I had waited and watched for four months. All my apathy was in a moment changed into the most eager interest, and my only fear now was that the Dalals would take me at my word and go. You're a Bobby, I said as soon as my astonishment allowed me to speak. Why I have been looking for Bobbies ever since I set foot in Persia. What need to take about these wares about which I care but little? Get me your books if you can. That is what I want. Your books, your books. Sahib, he said, I'll do what is possible to gratify your wishes. Indeed, I can promise you at least one or two books, which will tell you about our beliefs. But how is it that you are so desirous of these? Where did you hear about us, if, as you say, you never yet met with one of our religion? I heard about you, I replied long before I came to Persia, or even thought that I should ever do so. A learned Frenchman, who was living in Tehran soon after the Bab began to preach his doctrines, who witnessed some of the terrible persecutions to which his followers were exposed, and who was filled with wonder and admiration at their fortitude and disregard of death, wrote the history of all these things in his own language, when he returned to Europe. This history I have read, and this wonder and admiration I share, so that I desire to know more of what you believe. Hitherto I have sought in vain, and met with nothing but disappointment. Now, please God, by means of your help, I shall attain my object. So the news of the manifestation has reached Farangistan, he exclaimed. That is indeed well. Surely I will do all in my power to assist you in your search for knowledge of this matter. Nay, if you would desire to converse with one of us who is learned and pious, and has suffered much for the cause, I will arrange that you shall meet him. He is our chief here, and once a fortnight he visits the house of each one of us who have believed, to assure himself that our households are maintained in a becoming manner and to give us instruction and encouragement. I am but a poor ignorant Dalal, but he will tell you all that you desire to know. Our whispered colloquy was now brought to an end, as the elder Dalal began to manifest unmistakable signs of impatience. Hastily, Selecting a few small articles, I presented him with a sum of money sufficient to compensate him for his trouble and restore his good temper, and took leave of him and his comrade, entreating the latter by no means to fail in bringing me the books, which he promised to do, if possible, on the morrow. Next day, at about the same hour, my anxiety was brought to an end 
by the reappearance of the babi dalal who signified in answer to my look of inquiry that he had brought the books i immediately conducted him to my room but for some time i had to restrain my impatience owing to the presence of haji safar who seemed possessed by a desire to inspect the words brought by my new friend which was as unaccountable as it was exasperating i was afraid to tell him to go lest i should still further arouse that curiosity which i had learned to regard as a dominant characteristic of persians in general and persian servants in particular so i had to wait patiently till he chose to retire no sooner was he out of the room than the babi produced the books telling me that he expected his companion momentarily and that as the latter was a musalman we should do well to make the best use of the time at our disposal since his arrival would put an end to conversation on religious topics the books in question were two in number one was a manuscript copy of the iran assurance which my companion declared to be an incontrovertible proof of the new faith and by far the most important work to prepare me for a full comprehension of the babi doctrines the other was a small tract written as i afterwards learned by abbas afandi the son of baha'u'llah who is the present chief of the babis and resides at acre in syria at the request of ali shokat pasha in explanation of the tradition i was a hidden treasure and i desired to be known therefore i created creation that i might be known which tradition stated to have been revealed to david constitutes one of the cornerstones of sufi mysticism the purchase of these books was soon effected for i was prepared to give a much higher price than was actually demanded specimens of calligraphy were next produced some of which were the work of one of baha's sons others of the renowned meshkin Galam, who was one of the babis exiled to cyprus in eighteen sixty eight a d by the turkish government and who was as i gathered related in some way to my friend the dalal meshkin Galam's skill in calligraphy is a matter of notoriety amongst the babis and his writing is indeed very beautiful especially curious were some of his productions in which the writing was so arranged as to take the form of a bird the dalal informed me that these would be eagerly sought after my persians of all classes were it not that they all bore as the signature of the penman the following verse dar diyar khat shahi sahib alam bande bab baha meshin qalam in the domain of writing a king of notes the servant of bab baha meshkin galam footnote one 
Bahá'u'lláh died since these words were written on the 16th of May, 1892, and was succeeded by one of his sons entitled Ghusn Azam, the most mighty branch. See Journal of the Royal Asiatic Society for 1892, pages 706 until 710. Footnote 2. I cannot here repeat all that I have written elsewhere on the history, especially the later history of the Babis. Those who desire full information on the subject I must refer to my papers in the Journal of the Royal Asiatic Society, July and October 1889, and April, July and October 1892, and to my translations of the Traveler's Narrative, Cambridge 1891, and the New History, Cambridge 1893. For the benefit of the general reader, I give the following brief epitome, which will suffice to render intelligible what is said in this book about the sect. The Bab before his death, 9th July 1850, had nominated as his successor a youth 19 years of age named Mirza Yahya, and entitled Sope Azal, the Dawn of Eternity, who belonged to a noble family of Nur in Mazandaran. His succession was practically undisputed, until 1866 he was recognized by all the Babis, including his half-brother Mirza Hussein Ali, entitled Baha'u'llah, the Splendor of God, who was about 13 years senior to him as the head of the Babi church. In 1852, in consequence of the violent persecution of the Babis, which followed the attempt on the Shah's life, the headquarters of the sect were transferred to Baghdad. There, the Babi chiefs remained till 1862 or 1863, when, at the request of the Persian government, they were transferred by the Turkish authorities to Constantinople, where they remained four months, and thence to Adrianople. While they were at Adrianople, Baha'u'llah announced him to be him whom God shall manifest, that great deliverer and fulfiller of the new dispensation, whose advent the Bab had announced. Most of the Babis admitted his claim and became Baha'is. Some few adhered to Sopha Azal, who vigorously contested it, and were henceforth known as Azalis. Disputes and quarrels ensued, and finally in the summer of 1868 the rivals were separated by the Turkish government. Sope Azal with his family and a few of Baha'u'llah's followers, including Meshrin Garam, was sent to Famagusta in Cyprus, where he still resides, being now a pensioner of the English government. Baha'u'llah, with his family, a number of his followers, and six or seven of the followers of Sope Azal, was sent to Acre on the Syrian coast. 
this is still the headquarters of the Baha'is, who constitute the vast majority of Babis at the present day. But Baha'u'llah himself, as stated in a previous note, died on the 16th of May, 1892. After the occupation of Cyprus by the English, the surviving exiles there interned were given permission to depart if they so pleased. Of this permission, Meshin Ghalam availed himself. He left Cyprus in September 1886 for Acre, where I met him in April 1890. As it was, the sale of these works of art was limited entirely to the Babi community. When the inspection of these treasures was completed, I asked the Dallal whether he knew where the two Sayyids who suffered martyrdom for the Babi faith about the year 1879 were buried. Yes, he replied, I know the spot well, and will take you there if you wish it. But surely, Sahib, you who are so eager to obtain our books, who desire to visit the graves of our martyrs, must be prompted by some motive beyond mere curiosity. You have been to Acre, you have been honored by beholding the blessed countenance, you are yourself a Babi. Say, is it not so? There is no need to conceal anything from me. My friend, I answered, I am neither a Babi nor have I been to Acre. Yet I confess that I am actuated by something more than mere curiosity. I cannot but feel that a religion which has produced examples of such heroic courage and fortitude as yours merits a careful examination, since that must needs contain noble thoughts which can prompt to noble deeds. In visiting the graves of your martyrs, I would fain pay a tribute of respect to those who gave up wealth, ease and consideration, nay, even life itself for the faith which they held dearer than all else. At this point, our conversation was interrupted by the entrance of the other Dalal with a collection of pictures, articles of brasswork, and other curiosities from which I proceeded to make a selection. It was proposed by myself, and readily agreed to by the Dalals, that there should be no bargaining. They would state the price which they had actually paid for each of the articles in question, and I, if it appeared to me reasonable, would give it together with a small percentage for their profit. In consequence of this, the transaction was one of the shortest and pleasantest I had ever effected in the East, where bartering and haggling about prices is usually inevitable, and so far as I could judge, I obtained the full value of my money. Just as they were leaving, the Babi found an opportunity of whispering in my ear, Do not forget next Saturday. I will make arrangements for someone to meet you at a given spot in the town. If I cannot find anyone else, I will come myself. 
whoever your conductor may be, you will recognize him by a sign, and will follow him. He will bring you safely to my house, and there you will meet our chief. I will see you again before then, and inform you of the spot determined on. May God be your keeper. End of section 18